You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Marketing Nirvana, presented by CertifiedKnowledge.org. Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. You have arrived at the destination for education and entertainment. WebmasterRadio.fm. A service of new-gen broadcasting. The Cyber Law and Business Report starts right now. The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers. And do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning, and it's great to be back um, now that we have the brand spanking new Webmaster Radio um, Media Center. And we got a great show today. We will be covering, um, the second half of the show will be covering um, digital um, web, web security with some experts, George Al from Policy Director for Digital Society, and Stan Stahl, President of Citadel Information Group. Um, and... Um, I don't think Charlie Sheen will be showing today. But in any event, um, we're going to start off the show with a little informational segment on what to do when a, a spambulance chaser calls. Now, in, in the dot-com community, there's several things that um, can be our equivalent of lions, tigers, and bears. And one of them is or there's a, a group of people out there who um, feel strongly about spam but who maybe, um, in some people's views, go over the line and are very aggressive in trying to um, get businesses to pay settlements for uh, alleged violations of state or federal spam laws. And so I thought I'd just give you a brief summary of what are some of the issues that can come up here and how you might want to respond. But I must make this caveat. This is not legal advice. This is for informational purposes. Um, and if you, you want to go further on this, I can recommend you consult with an attorney, and, um, but this is just for background purposes only. So 
often their letters will be well first of all let's back up the California in 2003 passed a law that basically banned spam throughout the nation um, and within 84 days Congress responded by passing their own law to, that would go into effect at the very moment the California law went into effect to preempt um, California's ban on spam and um, California made a dec- decision that spam was bad per se and that it allowed people to recover damages just for receiving spam. And the federal government decided that was not the approach to take. One, they said that spam was protected under the First Amendment, and that was part of the policy decision. And the second was um, they, they wanted to regulate it but not ban it, and they also wanted to create a uniform system of laws um, since there were about 37 states that had spam laws at that time. So the regime we have now is the federal law preempts all state laws regarding spam, except those dealing with falsity and deception. So anything dealing at the federal level, um, other than falsity and deception, is, is governed by can spam. And can spam does not allow a private right of action, except for Internet access service providers. And we'll touch on that in a second. So at the state level, and particularly in California, you have a series of uh, individuals who are trying to enforce the California law as it pertains to fraud and deception in email. And so you will get letters there. Now, at the federal level, um, there's been an attempt to get around the lack of private right of action by creating what generally I perceive as faux ISPs. They're ISPs that provide limited service for just a handful of people and are mainly created to be an engine for litigation under the Can Spam Act. So when you get um, a letter, and, and often in, in the California context, you get little get letters, and they're not necessarily always straightforward. Um, for example, they might suggest that your email is um, imp- illegal without specifying why it's illegal and, and pay this amount. And it, it may even suggest that um, sending spam is per se illegal, and so therefore you, um, you're liable for, in California, um, if you're found to have sent a deceptive email, you can be liable for up to $1,000 per email. So you get this letter, and it, it makes a demand, say they got three emails, and it makes a demand for um, $2,500, you know, $2, and um, as a discount, and so the first thing to remember is un- sending unsolicited email is not illegal in California or any state. And so that's step one. Now, the second step is they'll say, well, it is deceptive. And, and sometimes they take pretty extreme positions on what it is pe- deceptive. Um, for example, um, here's one where um, it was for the subject line was for broadband legal assistance. And well, one of the spam teachers said that um, this is deceptive because it um, suggests the email has something to do with high-speed Internet access. And it's, it's misleading because it's unclear whether you are offering assistance or seeking assistance. Um, you know, that's, pretty, that's being pretty unreasonable and, and trying to really um, find deception or confusion where it doesn't exist. Um, one area they've attacked is that you can't be um, – you can't send um, false email from false email addresses. And so they've tried in California to argue that you're the email from address has to equal 
your corporate name. So, for example, an email from webmasterradio.fm, would, in their, their view, would have to be from, you know, Brasco at webmasterradio.fm. And this has gone through the courts, and the courts have said no. As long as you're sending from a proper email address, um, that's fine. That's not deceptive. In fact, it even can be a nonsensical email address. It could be a series of letters and characters, and that's still proper. The California Supreme Court recently ruled on that. So um, they're going to try to argue that you're deceptive in your use of an email address. Another argument they make in terms of whether or not you're being deceptive on the email address is that um, while your email is from this um, email service provider, whether it's Opera or you know, you name it, and um, and that that email service provider um, prohibits the use of spam, and so by sending spam through the server provider, you're violating the terms of service, and so there you're using um, their email domain improperly, and, and so therefore it's it's a fraudulent email. Now, granted. If you've been listening to that last three sentences, you're probably confused and doesn't make any sense to you. And then the reason is because it doesn't. Um, basically, the, if you sign up for email and you're sending email from a legitimate address, whether or not you've complied with all the terms of service, that's that's something relative to you and the service provider. Um, relative to the consumer, is as long as that's a valid email address, that is not deceptive. And so they're going to go and try to, and many of them just try to nitpick. And um, and so they're, and particularly if you're an out of state um, entity, um, they, they figure they they have an advantage on you in that respect. So you get this letter, and what do you do next? They're going to demand a settlement, and it could be um, small. It could be for just a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars. And um, and then you really have a business decision to make. You know, do I do I enter a settlement and just you know not waste the time, or um, you know do I fight this and just to make sure that you know they don't come after me again or, or any of their compatriots don't come after me again? And that, that's that's a decision you have to make individually. Um, it just really depends on how how likely do you think it is that they'll be coming back to you. So. That's step one. Now, what happens if they do pursue? Um, often they'll, for example, one, one in particular, um, will file in small claims court. And there's some benefits and downsides of small claims court. I mean, small claims court is, is cheap and efficient. You know, it, it is that. It, you get a quick trial date. Um, the downside is that you um, have no discovery and you didn't, aren't able to have a lawyer. And um, I've had one case where um, a client had to go into small claims court. I couldn't represent them. And you know they had no information really about the claim. And since there's no discovery, they're walking in blindside, not being able to, to defend themselves on the claim. And they argued that you know, that was a denial of due process and that you know the due process not only requires a right that you be able to um, defend your claim, but that you be able to defend your provider meaningful defense, and so by you know walking in there without adequate notice of what the claim is, that was improper. And the other thing they argued is, and I've actually seen a judge rule this way, is that um, it may sound axiomatic, but small claims are meant for small claims, and some of these cases hinge on whether or not the person opted in or not, which requires you know, you know producing data. 
um, you know, from your servers or from um, other people's servers. And um, so it's not necessarily a simple matter. It's not not something that really should be properly pursued in small claims court. And, you know, I've seen a judge rule just that, you know, the small claims are for small claims, and this is not one of them. And in that case, the the client was able to dismiss the claim, and uh, much to the uh, <laughs> much to the uh, consternation of one of the lead spamigators, or spamulinstrators as they're also known. And and so you, you do have options. You can fight. Now they may also you know, they follow a number of cases in superior court. Um, they really do. They go to federal court unless they are the um, the faux ISPs. So those um. That's kind of the, the broad framework that you face in uh, in dealing with them. And um, the key to remember, though, is that when you get this letter, um, anytime you get, anyone gets a letter that says, you know, you're you're violating the law, please pay money, you know, it's somewhat of a, a jolt. And um, the key to remember then is just that one, you know, the law the the law is generally governed by the Federal Act, the Can Spam Act. There are exceptions for state laws dealing with deception and fraud, um, and they're, they're limited. And that when you get that letter, you know, it may suggest that you're, you're being illegal just because you sent unsolicited email. That is not the case. And then just look at the claims one by one. You know, is this a reasonable interpretation of the law? Do you really think that's, that's a deceptive subject line? Do you really think that's a... Um, you know that's a deceptive um, or improper um, from line, and um, you know a lot of what I think they're doing here is um, you know, going for low lying fruit. You know, there's some where you know, there's no harm. They may not feel they have the strongest case, and again, this is my speculation, my opinion, and um, and so they they send a letter. You know, there's no harm to them in that. They just crank out the form letter, and and see what happens. You know, if they get the check, they get the check. If they don't, they move on. Um, but my impression is that they're sending out, you know, hundreds of these letters, to, you know, to people across the state and across the country, and um, and so the reason when I am I brought this up at this show is, you know, we have some shows coming up in California, um, in particularly Ad Tech, which will be next month, and they are known to walk the floors of the Ad Tech, you know, exhibition floor, and and serve um and serve summons to appear in small claims court. Because if you're from out of state, they ha- they have to serve you in state. So, um, you know, there's nothing. I'm not. There's nothing you can do really to avoid service. They're going to get you one way or the other. But you know, when you get them a summit, um, again, don't panic because you, you do have options. And then even even if you lose the initial small claims trial, they can be appealed to superior court. Um, where you basically have another mini trial, and at that mini trial, you're allowed to have a counsel, and um, you, you can prevent a little. It's a little more formal, and you can present your case in a, in a clearer way. So, um, these are things to be on the lookout. Um, let me see, Brasco. Do we have anything on the on the chat room? Any questions so far? Not at the moment. Uh, we're still following them in. Okay, and um, so it's it's. They've they've been very active. Some of the ones are, um, are well known. For example, um, Dan Balsam. He was on a Today Show recently, and um, 
and actually I was on the, I was one of the the counter counter voices um, to him, um, you know, questioning some of the, the tactics he's had over the years, and you know, and I've I've, I've criticized Dan for um, his use of small claims court that I think you know, he sometimes plays a, a gotcha with people, and you know he disagrees with that, but um, you know I, I also think that. You know, one one thing that comes up is basically when he labels what you're sending as spam, and he just keeps using the term spam. Um, it's really not necessarily a relevant term, um, but he's just trying to put you on the defensive by making you a spammer. And so, in the public eyes, then you're viewed as the bad guy, and he automatically, since he's against spam, must be the good guy. But a lot of times, I think what he goes after isn't spam, and so. Um, you know, that's where the debate, that's where the nuance comes in. And it's, it's hard to do nuance in, in a short, you know, three minute segment on, um, you know, someone fighting over spam. So it's, you know, he's an active one. There's some, um, his lawyer, Timothy Walton, is also pretty active in this area. And um, so, and there have been a number of um, ISPs out there um, on, the, on the faux ISP side doing it can't spam. But, um, we just actually just got a little bit of news on the wire. Um, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist David Broder of the Washington Post has died, and uh, he had been for a long time the dean of Washington correspondence and uh, was a frequent guest on um, Meet the Press. And uh, so, um, my uh, condolences to the Broder family and to the Washington journalism community because they lost a giant. Um, he had been um, quite huge in Washington, and he was considered a, a, a balanced, you know, tempered opinion. Never really swung one way or the other, and so um, given in these times, then that would be a voice that's going to be missed. So, um, Brasco, why don't we let me cut to commercial, and when we come back, um, we'll wrap up a discussion of um, spam gators, and we'll move on to data security. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Two, one, boost to ignition. Ascend into new heights of ranking and revenue with a search engine friendly online shopping cart that's ready for liftoff. Introducing Ascender Cart. Ascender Cart optimizes your shopping cart with easy to use SEO tools that will help build keywords, titles, and tags for top search engine rankings. Get all of the advantages of having a shopping cart on your site and monitor your progress with regular reports in just a click. Prepare to launch your shopping cart to the top of the search engines with Ascender Cart. Learn more about what Ascender Cart can do for you at AscenderCart.com. A-S-C-E-N-D-E-R-C-A-R-T.com. If you're looking for a new multifaceted SEO and social media tool set, look for The Raven. Raven has the important tools that every internet marketer needs. Raven offers customized metrics for managing link building campaigns, social media campaigns, with campaign reporting and research tools that you can easily manage. Build up campaign performance for your clients and give your team the tools that will make them soar. If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's raventools.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. 
TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Catch us Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the search engine optimization channel only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center. Thank you for joining us again on the Cyber Law and Business Report. And so, you know, today, for example, we talked a, a bit about what to do when the spam list chasers call. And rule number one is stay calm. And just remember that you know, there's a lot of options out there, and that if you're doing your business in, in a proper way, um, most likely you know, you have very little liability. But People always ask me, you know, can I be sued for this? And the answer is, if you are breathing, yes, you can be sued. And actually, that's not even correct. If you're not breathing, you you often can still be sued too. But um, you know, you can't prevent lawsuits, but you can prevent liability. And and so one thing you can do is just make sure that you are monitoring um, your email campaigns. Make sure you're monitoring your affiliates. Um, you want to make sure that you know they're complying. You want to have a policy that you, know, you don't send unsolicited email if, unless you know that's up, you've made the decision that that's something you have to do, um, or you don't send improper email, deceptive subject lines, and things of that nature. You want to make sure that then they control. You have control over the content that you know the ad has. You know, your your creative it has your subject line, and you want to make sure that the people are using um, an opt out. Um, mechanism and that they are scrubbing their list to remove your unsubscribed people so you're not sending to them. And so, um, in fact, the law recognizes even if you do have liability, you know, your damages can be reduced if it shows that you've made a reasonable effort to prevent liability. And so that's that's the big picture here. Um, Spamagators will call. If you're doing email, you're eventually going to run into them. And so the question is how do you approach them? And um, I hope we've, we've been helpful in outlining that today. Um, we're going to um, now switch over to dealing with um, a little, another issue that actually can cause liability. Um, the FTC, which regulates both deceptive and unfair practices, has held that not having adequate security for certain you know, consumer information is itself an unfair practice, even if there isn't a data breach. So um, we're going to tell you about what's the latest going on in that area and what you maybe need to be aware of both as a consumer and as a business person. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. It's time again to make your plans to be at SES New York 2011. SES New York 2011 makes its way to the New York Hilton March 21st to the 25th. SES New York 2011 will feature over 70 sessions, over 100 exhibitors, 
and networking opportunities with thousands of marketing and search engine optimization professionals. SDS New York 2011 will start with a high-profile opening keynote from Yahoo's principal research scientist, Duncan Watts. Thursday, March 25th is the Online Marketing Summit's All Things Digital Best Practice Day, which features a full day of premium breakout sessions. Don't delay. Come to SES New York 2011, March 21st to the 25th, inside the New York Hilton. Register right now at searchenginestrategies.com and get 20% off your registration when you use promo code WMR20. Register right now at searchenginestrategies.com and use promo code WMR20. Our clients have earned over $1 billion. Now it's your turn. With over 20,000 products to promote across a huge variety of niches, ClickBank provides countless ways for any affiliate to make money. You can promote any product immediately. No contracts required. Looking for recurring commissions? Upsell products? ClickBank's got them. And best of all, you can make up to 75% commissions. Ready to become the next ClickBank success story? Sign up now for free at ClickBank.com. Welcome to the WordPress Community Podcast. The essential source for news and information on the most popular blog publishing tool on earth. Learn about the newest updates and plugins, as well as exclusive interviews with WordPress experts that are sure to help you enhance your skill set. The WordPress Community Podcast. Now, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Um, yes, you're on now. All right, and we're back. Um, we're just working out some technical difficulties getting our guest online. Um, we, when, we, we, when we get both our guests, we will be talking about data security. And Senator Schumer, um, who's like the fourth-ranking Democrat in the Senate, um, recently um, made a challenge to websites um, based on a report that found that many websites have inadequate security and really called for a move to um, one second. Um, um, recently called for a move to um, move from a, the HTTP platform to um, and um, to move from the HTTP platform to the HTTPS platform, hoping in, with that having encryption and better security for consumer data. And um, Brasco, do we have Stan on yet? Him on yeah. Skype. We're just waiting for him to connect. Uh, he's not online with us yet. Oh, I think he called me directly instead of you. Let's see. Um, um, that's a, a. If you can work that out, Brasco, yeah. just get him on the. Ben, I think um, we're doing just like Charlie Sheen says. We're winning today. We're winning. <laughs> we're, this is this is total winning, and it, it's all and it's all Viacom's fault. Anything that went wrong today is Viacom's fault, and uh, and um, and I'm a winner. But, give, me, um, give me one one quick thing. If you had to go ahead, and, if you had to go ahead and represent him at this point, I mean, what is the first thing you could possibly tell him? Because he's obviously he's not paying attention to any authority figures. Um, 
Well, that's the problem. I mean, the first thing is if you're going to represent someone, you have to at least be able to make sure that they're going to you know, take your recommendations. I mean, what's the point of representing someone if they're going to ignore everything you do? And um, particularly as you navigate through you know, litigation or whatever, you want to make sure that um, you know, your, your main challenge is dealing with your adversaries, not dealing with your client. And so that, that's, that's an issue. And I, I've had that come up where you know, your client actually is, um, you know, becomes one of, one, one, of the, one of your enemies, so to speak, in terms of you know, trying to get about an effective resolution. And um, you know, sometimes I've had to, have had to you know, yell more, louder at clients than sometimes opposing counsel. Um, you know, it, it just, you just got to get control of people. And, you know, Charlie Sheen, um, very talented individual, but just seems to be out of control right now. And uh, I don't know, I mean, you know, there's sure some creative defense. Um, you may recall in the in the 70s, you know, with the Harvey Milk murder, um, the, the guy there, the, this person, the city council member who killed Harvey Milk, said that he, um, it was because of excessive junk food and became known as the Twinkie defense. And um, so I, don't, I, I think um, Charlie Sheen is doing a little bit more than Twinkies. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but I think, you know, definitely you know, there's some, there's some issues there that, you know, he, he may not be necessarily fully um, attached to his faculties at the moment, but um, I'm not going to really render opinion on Charlie Sheen. But, um, you know, getting back to data security, it's an important issue, and I think consumers aren't very aware of that issue. And, um, you know, one thing, for example, there was a, a website, GameStation, in the UK, and um, on their terms and conditions, they had, um, on April Fool's Day, had a provision that said that by using this website, you grant us... Um, an option to um, claim your soul in perpetuity, and um, that they could exercise the option by um, indicating in letters in um, blazing in fire three feet high on your lawn, um, saying that they exercise the option and so um, waive any liability um, for damage to your lawn. Or in, instead of that, you could um, opt out and get five pounds sent to you in the mail, which is which is about ten dollars, I guess, these days. Uh, on April Fool's Day, the number of people that opted out and got the ten bucks was, I think, in the magnitude of twelve percent. You know, so people aren't reading privacy policies. You know, they aren't aware necessarily what sites they're dealing with are have good practices or not, and so it's definitely a challenge um, for um, for consumers. and And so that's what we're hoping to address today. Um, you know, there's a study that triggered Senator Schumer's call for greater security on, on, on websites and he's, he wants some of the leading websites to set set exam, example and, and raise the bar. Um, we also have a number of um, security seal outfits, you know, for example, such as Trustee that will certify that you're um, a safe site. We have um, actually just while we're doing that a, a bit of tidbit of today and um, the importance of today in history and um, that um, this is the 160th anniversary of the decision, Supreme Court's decision in the Amistad case. That I may remember this um, Steven Spielberg movie, um, Amistad, and um, it was the story of a of a slave ship, and um, that had um, that had been seized. At the um, there was a slave uprising on the ship, and uh, the it, the slave ship um, came into port in Long Island, and um, 
it was a trial over what, what to do with you know, one the ship and the slaves. And in the Spanish um, government, who um, it was their ship, they, they wanted the slaves and the ship returned to Spain. And whereas abolitionists in the north um, saw this as a way to um, make a test case over slavery and said that um, they were illegally taken as slaves, and so in that right. Um, you know, Spain's property claim to them was invalid, and they exercised their rightful use of self-defense in um, in liberating themselves. And so, it really became an interesting challenge. And the um, what was unique about it was that after they won um, their initial um, victory in in court, um, there was a, a, a state dinner for um, someone, one of the royalty from Spain. And um, a southern senator, Senator Calhoun, who was a strong, um, strongly for slavery, um, was furious over the decision and um, was talking with the, the Spanish royalty at that and, and demanded that um, then-President Van Buren appeal the decision. And so when it went to the Supreme Court, it was the United States taking the position that um, you know, the slaves should be returned to Spain and they remain, they remain Spanish property. And um, arguing the case for... Um, the slaves was um, none other than a former president, John Quincy Adams, and so it was a lot of unique things that you know really probably won't happen again. Um, but um, and it was a seven to one decision, and um, so it's kind of a it was a significant moment I think in the in the fight against slavery and um, also something that's now very much in pop culture because of the the movie Amistad. Um, Stan Stahl actually has a Pretty unique background, and um, he's definitely someone you want to know. Um, he's a pioneer in the field of information security, having entered it as early as 1980. Um, we actually had information back then. <laughs> and um, Stan has secured teleconferencing at the White House, um, databases inside Shane Mountain, and the um, communications network controlling our nuclear weapons arsenal. So, um, Stan, are, are we secure there? Stan? So got it. Uh, I, I think we can certainly say we're more secure than the Iranian uh, nuclear processing capabilities have proven to be. Yes, that was, that was quite a story. With the uh, what was the name of the virus that was it that wiped out some of their capability? Stuxnet. Stuxnet. Um, Stuxnet. Yeah. To make the whole concept of how cyber war is evolving. That's and, true. Um, but um, we're not here to talk about cyber war, and hopefully we won't need to any very soon. But Stan, well, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, what you do in Citadel and um, and uh, let's kind of jump into the topic. Super. Thanks, Bennett. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so Citadel Information Group, that, that's my company. We founded it um, in 2002. And we did do address what we saw as the, the rising um, increase in, in, uh, in, in cyber crime, cyber fraud, all the issues that, that mostly businesses, but also consumers as well, uh, share in that. Um, this is as the world has opened up to the to the, uh, to the internet. Uh, we've got people all over the world who want what we have, and they're not uh, they're not reluctant to, to break laws and uh, do whatever they need to do to get into our our computer systems and steal whatever they can, whether it's money or intellectual property or just about anything else. They love using our computers to store their stolen merchandise, like uh, stolen software and stolen movies and even stolen pornography. Um, 
It's, uh, as, as, as we like to say, it's a jungle out there on the Internet. Well, it's kind of fitting because we were talking about lions, tigers, and beers earlier. Um, yes. Now, yes. You know, we had a, um, a couple of shows ago, we had someone from Akamai Technologies talk about their a- annual State of the Internet report. And um, you know, well, part of it dealt with you know the broadband speeds, and um, but the one thing they did also deal with is threats. And um, the USA had returned to number one status as the, the leading source of threats, but there are um, definitely major um, threats coming from areas such as China and Russia, and and lately even Brazil. And um, so, what is your sense? Are, are, are we getting uh, more attacks, less attacks? Um, let's see. So the the answer to that is Bennett is is definitely more attacks. They're more sophisticated. They are too often able to bypass the technology controls that companies have in place or that consumers might have in place, um, and they 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 prey on on human weaknesses as as well. Um, there was an IBM report. I mean, you mentioned the Akamai and, and, and as, as well. Uh, IBM published a report a little over a year ago, the basic bottom line of which was, when it comes to the Internet, trust nobody. Uh, just it, it's Websites can, as, as you've talked about, uh, you know, good websites can get taken over by bad guys who can install um, software on the websites that run when a user goes to the website. Uh, that software can infect the uh, machine, the computer of the user, right past a lot of traditional antivirus, anti-spyware stuff that's supposed to be protecting, but just isn't up to the the current level of sophistication that the cyber criminals have. So, I mean, that's not very reassuring for a consumer who... Um, who goes on the internet and what, how, what do they do if, the, the, if they, uh, their instructions are to trust no one? Yeah, well, it's, it's a combination of things, uh, Bennett. I think on the one side, it's very important that, that consumers um, keep their computers as um, protected as they can. Uh, that, that includes things like, um, let's see, on the one hand, keeping their systems patched, Software is uh, all software has vo- has vulnerabilities in it. All sophisticated software. So whether it's Microsoft Windows or Office or iTunes or Adobe Acrobat or Flash or Java or any of those programs uh, of an absolute necessity is to keep those programs patched. Uh, that's why our company blogs weekly. Every weekend uh, we blog a weekend uh, vulnerability and patch report just to let people know what. Uh, What's what's out there that uh, you know? What what software updates have been patched or are in need of patching? I mean, one of the statistics is that uh, oftentimes hackers, cyber criminals, will get into a system and be able to take control of it because a patch came out a week ago, a month ago, even three months ago, and businesses or consumers haven't bothered to update it. Um, so that's certainly something that uh, every everybody, business and consumer has got to do. Uh, another handful of things. Uh, one is limit exposure. Um, if you've got lots of family members sharing a computer, for example, create separate accounts for all of them, and particularly you know, for, for children who you can't control where they might go on the web, make those limited accounts so that if somebody does try to hack into that account because they've gone off to a bad website or downloaded uh, you know, something with, with malware on it, 
uh, that you've limited the ability of that malware to do damage because the account doesn't have administrative access. Um, certainly use a, a reputable antivirus, anti-spyware product. When you need to, to do that, whether it's McAfee or Symantec or any of the others, uh, that's a necessity. But think about spending the little bit of extra money as well and get a what's called a host-based intrusion detection and prevention system. The big guys are beginning to roll those out, uh, McAfee, Semantic, and so on. Absolutely valuable to have, but as they say, they're, they're, they are a little bit more, uh, more sophisticated. Um, if you've got Wi-Fi, uh, certainly encrypt it with what's called WPA2 encryption. Uh, if you use the old-fashioned WEP, bad guys can hack that in a matter of a couple of minutes. Um, Stay away from peer-to-peer networks. Make sure you don't have those on your computer. Uh, bad guys and cyber criminals like to use those. Uh, they're, they're designed in some ways to uh, exchange copyrighted material, movies, music, things like that. But they can also be a conduit for, uh, for uh, pulling information out of a machine, out of a computer. So those are some of the things on the computer itself, on the computer desktop, that whether a business or a consumer ought to be doing all of those kinds of things. Now, um, are, what about what the websites can do to make um, their, themselves more secure and to make yeah. consumers more concerned? I mean, what do you think of Senator Schumer's call that there should be more um, more sites to take the lead and, and shift to a more enc- encrypted platform? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, I think Schumer's right on on that piece of it. Of why, why hasn't that happened yet? I mean, we've, we've had that capability for some time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, very few sites except the, um, you know, banking sites and, you know, sites like that uh, will present an HTTPS interface to their users. There is an add-on you can get if you use Firefox, which we definitely recommend to, to people. There's an add-on you can get for that. Um, let me find its name if I can. I'll, I'll, I'll track its name down and, and get it to you. That, when possible, makes all conversations HTTPS. Uh, the, uh, uh, and, um, one of the, the Internet sites sorry, go ahead. makes that go ahead, available. Go ahead, I interrupt you. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. I, and as I say, I, I'll find the name of it before we get off the air and, and uh, get that plugged now, in. Now, Citadel, what, 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 are you, what have you guys been working on lately? Well, you know, we emphasize one of the things we see a lot in the way of, of cybercrime that uh, has really changed the name of the game is online bank fraud. No, they still call it cybercrime. Yeah, it is cybercrime. <laughs> uh, hackers, cyber criminals take control of a business's computer or a personal computer. Um, as a piece of that taking control, they are able to steal user IDs and passwords for online banking or online stockbrokers or whatever is online, and they then go online, pretend that to your bank, they pretend that they are you, and they steal money. Uh, There's a a hospital in New England that lost $600,000 to online bank thieves this way. Uh, There's an escrow company here in Southern California where we are that had $400,000 stolen from their accounts. Uh, the Archdiocese, I think, of St. Louis, cyber criminals tried to steal a million dollars from their account. Um, now, is there insurance to cover that? 
there is. Uh, you've got to talk to your, I recommend to everybody, talk to your insurance brokers for that, particularly businesses there, because uh, consumers have the advantage of federal regulations that mm-hmm. um, if, if they're attacked in, in a reasonable amount of time, they alert, alert their bank, the bank will make them whole. Businesses have no such federal regulations on their side. So having uh, cybercrime insurance is, is a really good idea. Uh, on, on that, and, if and, you and one thing also, to, just, you know, uh, for people in the e-commerce space, it's useful to know that you know, cyber insurance used to be very expensive, and the reason why is insurance is based on history, and um, and there was very little history for them to judge in the cyberspace initially, and so they 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 played conservative and bet on on high risk and, and charged accordingly. So now we've had about you know, a decade of the internet and you know, they have some data and the prices are coming down. So definitely you should talk to your insurance broker really about what what is available and um, you know explore whether that's affordable or not. Because obviously having insurance um, in something like this you know, that could be quite catastrophic is important. Now Stan, does Citadel have some um, conference coming up that would be useful to know about? Absolutely, Bennett. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we. I'm, I'm not just the, the, the president, if you will, of Citadel Information Group. There is an international organization, the Information Systems Security Association, started in Los Angeles uh, 27 years ago now. We're in 70 countries with over 10,000 members worldwide. Our former international board president is uh, Barack Obama's cybersecurity coordinator, a man named Howard Schmidt. Our Los Angeles chapter is um, in the middle of a community outreach program. Really, we want to, we are providing leadership here in the community to get our arms around this collectively. And we're having a, uh, our, our annual one day summit uh, coming up uh, in June. It's June 15th. It's held at UCLA. It's unique in the industry in that it's a venue where business executives, IT professionals, and information security professionals can all get together uh, to learn from each other, to uh, uh, share stories, share solutions, hear from industry experts uh, on cybercrime. It's a very, very uh, beneficial educational event that uh, we, we have. And as I say, it's, it's June 15th. Uh, you can find out more about it by going to the chapter's website, uh, www.issa-la. Dot org. Uh, we're just rolling out the, the website uh, information on the summit, but it's it's really should be. This is our third. Uh, we expect it to be just the best cybersecurity educational event that touches those three markets. All those three people, groups of people, uh, really need to come together to, to solve the, the cybersecurity challenge. And we're proud that we're able to provide that. Uh, for our our, uh, our members and and for the community, the Los Angeles community. Well, well thank you for providing that information, um, Stan. And we'll, we'll be sure to post the uh, the information on, on the website. And um, so we appreciate having you, Stan. This, I was um, looking at your your bio and um, and searching on the web, and there's one thing I wasn't clear about. That there was some rumor that you used to play for Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> I only wish. Uh, yes. Uh, never played for. I've been to a lot of their games. I will watch their game against the Kings tonight. Uh, that's uh, thanks to Directv. I, 
I actually went to a, a Kings Red Wings game, and, and if you, for those of you in LA who, um, who who may be going tonight, it's actually very interesting because it's it's not a home game for LA at all. Um, half the crowd there is wearing red, and um, you know it's definitely a very strong um, Red Wings contingent. And um, maybe just the fact that the Kings haven't been that strong lately may have been a factor. But um, so you, you're going to Staples Center tonight? Oh, actually, the game's in Detroit, so I'll be watching it on television. But uh, yeah, we'll have. Uh... There may be a few King fans in the in, in, in the in the stadium in the in the stands tonight, uh, but I, I expect when Detroit travels to L.A., you see more Detroit people at Staples Center than when the Kings travel to Detroit. Uh, I think Detroit's kind of like the Notre Dame or University of Michigan of, of hockey that way. The Dallas Cowboys the same way that they they appeal to a national constituency. But I'll tell you, hockey's tough. And if I might, it's also a great metaphor because uh, you know every one of one of the things we regularly hear from uh, from from businesses, particularly, is that their they believe their IT people are are keeping Always. systems secure. And I always push back that the IT people are doing a lot, but the IT people are like the forwards and the defenders, the defensemen on a hockey team. That's not the same thing as having a goalie, and that's what. Well, the, well, Stan, the, uh, the, the, uh, the buzzer is starting to sound for the end of the period. So, <laughs> But uh, I want to thank you for being on. It's always a pleasure hearing from you. And um, we hope you'll consider being on again. And uh, um, So that, that was our show. Join us next week. And if you have ideas you want us, people want us to talk about, um, please just let us know. And um, Brasco, back to you. Thanks for your help today. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.